0: May the 3rd be with all of you listeners today. It's the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Evan Bland with...
1: I'm supposed to, You're supposed to do that tomorrow. May the 4th
0: is tomorrow. Today is May the 3rd when we record. If you're listening on May 4th, well then, May the 4th be with you. Merry gentlemen and ladies. Wait, no
1: good? Perfect. Okay. are just doing it on the 3rd.
0: Well, we have a long exhale. Well, again, it depends on when you listen to it. Anyway. What's this- your go-to Star Wars tomorrow? My go-to Star Wars? Yeah. Like movie? Yeah. Or character? What do you mean? Whatever.
1: I mean, there's there's like four TV shows now, too.
0: Right. Uh, not to channel my, my inner Chris Hetty too much, but I did like Revenge of the Sith a, a okay. pretty good amount. I wouldn't call it the best Star Wars movie like he did. Sure. Um, but that's that's probably the, the, the newer fave. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. I think that, you know, we talk about movies. That was like one of the first movies, right, that ended... Where the good guys didn't win that's right
2: if we're talking if you guys hired me to have a different perspective i've seen like three star wars movies and i slept through one of them in the theater as a child yeah. wow
1: okay that's okay jimmy i know i feel pretty good about it actually i've seen all of them and it's not my favorite thing but yeah. i am i'm probably gonna watch something tomorrow star wars related is that how you observe the day sure yeah, I'll be yeah, watching. yeah, like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'll be yes. watching basketball just like every other day. <laughs> I'm
2: a sad person.
1: No, it's okay. The playoffs have been fun.
0: Anyway, this is the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Evan Bland with Sam McEwen, Jimmy Watkins. It's another edition of As the Portal Turns. We have uh, an NCAA ruling that's come down uh, against Nebraska that's been long awaited. We have some Nebraska basketball news that's that's fresh and new and interesting. Sort of. A lot they, of different. They did cr- a guy. It's, they it's Creighton
2: basketball news, but it it's notable. It's also notable. sort of Nebraska basketball news,
0: right? So a lot of lot of different things to get to today. We'll try to uh, keep it around to an hour or so. Um, but I mean, let's let's just dive right into it here. The big news over the weekend: Oshawn Mathis, TCU transfer, top pass rusher in the portal, commits to Nebraska, chooses the Huskers over Texas. Uh, I guess just drill generally first of all did you guys watch his commitment ceremony what did you think about how how that day how that decision played out perhaps
2: this is a dereliction of duty but i did not watch the commitment ceremony <laughs> because i was gonna have 50 twitter notifications about it regardless um i'm told he wore the the red hat and it's a very good thing for nebraska it's past rushing juice that they haven't had since what randy gregory he's he's a game changer can be a game changer on that side of the ball and you watch him he's just he just moves faster than what they have he's there's a level of explosion that he has that you know even a guy like Garrett Nelson who's probably the best pass rusher on the team right now doesn't have he he is going to beat people and he's like you can it's hard to run away from him so i didn't see i didn't see the ceremony but i know
1: it's a, a very good thing for for the football program yeah, probably the first I would describe NFL pass-rushing prospect that Nebraska's had since Gregory. Um, and, and to be clear, I think Garrett Nelson's going to play in the NFL. So I don't know if he's going to be a pass-rusher there, but I think he's got an opportunity to play in the league. But um, I think this is the first guy that you would say, yep, that guy's going to play in the NFL since Randy. Um, prior to Randy, they got a lot of guys like this. Quite often, it was not uncommon for them to to have, you know, players who could go get a sack. But breast has gone through a little bit of a dry period there and and um you know i think mathis can really help them in a number of ways how you want to use him i think it's still a question mark um, do you want to do you want to have him screaming off the edge do you want to loop him inside the way that Chenander used luke gifford back in 2018 often as an inside blitzer who can push from the from the middle of the pocket push the pocket collapse it um, how is he going to be in the run game? My sense is pretty good. Uh, so there's a lot of different things about Oshan Mathis' addition that I think are really positive. What I think is interesting is that you talked to O'Shawn mm-hmm. uh, for about a half hour today, or was it yesterday? Today, yeah. Today um, about his decision. And what I find most interesting is some of the things that he talked to you about and what he saw in Nebraska's defense, which I think is illuminating. Right. So... Well, and first of all,
0: one thing I didn't mention uh, in our discussion, Sam, is that I, I asked him, you know, do you, do you envision yourself uh, as a guy with your hand on the ground, or, or are you going to be sort of standing upright on the edge? And he said a lot of that's going to be up to him, the coaches said, where he feels comfortable so that the coaches have afforded him some of that latitude. But yeah, I mean, I, I asked him what he saw in Nebraska's defense, because as he was going through this recruiting process, he was very diligent. He, w- he would look at the film of the defense uh, of whatever school he was looking at, which were dozens initially, and the thing that he noticed about Nebraska when he, when he was watching them was he what he saw from Caleb Tanner and Garrett Nelson was they just went after the quarterback. He said, I didn't see those guys reading defenses as much as I saw them just going after the quarterback. And he said, coming from TCU where sometimes he'd have to be a spy, sometimes he would have to Uh, you know, read different keys a little bit more stringently. Um, He wanted to to get after it. He felt like that that was where his strength and his skill set was. And so uh, among all the other reasons that that Nebraska was a factor, one of them certainly was he just wants to get after the quarterback. That's his strength, and that's what Nebraska is going to allow him to do.
1: Mm. And he also had um, a really interesting comment about why he picked Nebraska and the relationship of NIL.
0: Well, yeah. He said that he still doesn't have a number. Nebraska never gave him a number. I mean, they can't officially, but the people associated with the collective, ABM, they haven't given him a number. And he said, I still don't have a number. I still, uh, I've still, i been told opportunities that are out there. And the other thing that's interesting about him is he's getting his degree this weekend from TCU in child advocacy. And what he wants to get into someday is... Uh, setting up nonprofits after school programs for kids because he himself came from a low-income background and so what ABM and Nebraska are offering in terms of setting up LLCs, in terms of financial literacy, is appealing to him not only now in maybe making money for him and his family in the short term, but for what he wants to do in the long term. So as much has as has been made about Nebraska's spot as an NIL player all my conversations with his mother, which have been multiple, and with him, they've been consistent in that it's been a lot of the other more traditional stuff. It's been about playing time. It's been about the people at Nebraska. It's been about these things. Not to say that the NIL stuff hurts, but its I, I just wonder if it's as main of a factor as it's been made out to be, just based on their, my discussions with them. We talked about this in the hallway.
2: Do we believe that he doesn't have a number, or does it— is he saying that because it behooves him to to keep that a secret, to keep that? I don't know. I think what, it's a I smart move. I mean, if if he knows he has a number and he's not telling us, I think that makes sense. I think it behooves him to. I think it behooves all these guys, uh, frankly, to portray to the viewing public that these are not monetary based decisions. That's the only reason why I ask.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's possible, uh, and, and it's his business, and that's fine if that's the way it is. I don't get that sense. Like I. I feel like he is a, a pretty sincere guy. Um, it's hard to say. I, I you know, uh, certainly those opportunities are out there. The first interview that he did was through an ABM-sponsored vehicle, uh, so so he got nil money for doing that. Uh, so that the wheels are already in motion with that sort of thing. But uh, you know, he, he views this as a as a one-year sort of stop on his way to the NFL. He wanted a change of of scenery. And another thing that he has often said, uh, the last couple of days since he's committed is that this was a business decision. And I asked him about that. And because I think you can, you can construe that to mean this was an NIL decision, but he, he kind of broke it down a little bit more like, like we've just discussed, where it's, he said, no, it's really about, this was about finishing my education. This was about putting more film on tape from another league to get to the NFL. Um, so again, I, I just wonder if the nil portion of this thing, while certainly a part of it, is maybe even a bit overblown from from what you know, has come about. From the his key decision. that you said about
2: nil to me is the the long term success that Nebraska's trying to set these kids up for. I've heard, um, I, I forget where, but I've read in other spots that that's been appealing to to different guys. And I just <laughs> I just remember me as a college student just waking up be like, hey, am I overdrafted? No, all right, <laughs> we got it, and that's just. Like Simon, I don't, I'm not there anymore, but like it's still to me, like financial literacy for me is just like, check my accounts. Like, is that the amount of money that I thought was going to be in there? All right, we're crushing it. So (laughs) that to me is, is a separating factor that I think will very quickly, if it's not, I'm sure Nebraska is not the only school doing this, but every school should be doing that.
1: I think Nebraska's infrastructure and the way that they, the way that they work through NIL is probably a little bit more organized than what, texas is doing or a lot of schools now i think all the other schools are going to pre- eventually catch up right but if you're asking me you know given nebraska's apparatus and the fact that they got a head start you know we can credit jared Lambrecht here he's the former chief of staff that's now with abm versus steve Sarkeesian and like that operation which they've got a lot of high-level coaches don't get me wrong i think Sarkeesian is one of the better offensive minds in college football i followed his career. I wouldn't describe Sarkeesian as like a as, as like a super global thinker. I think he's got a great offensive mind, and he wins football games because he calls great plays. And um, I just feel like Nebraska's probably ahead of where Texas is in terms of its apparatus, in terms of the way that it handles its infrastructure and the way it talks about things with recruits. Texas is going to be ahead when it comes to high school recruiting. I mean, they're they're right there. They're going to get the four and the five stars who want to wear the Longhorn on their helmet and and are from there. And I think Texas. I think you can do some things in NIL from a high school perspective that are a little easier to do because you can create a multi-year payment in NIL. And I think what you're going to see until they change this, unless they change it, is you're going to see more high school kids coming in on what's on a multi-year contract, um, something along the lines of. You can make this if you're here three years. You can make this if you're here one year. Um, You forfeit X if you leave. It's going to be like an annuity. You're going to forfeit this amount of money if you leave before here. That's one of the ways you guard against the transfer portal. And I think Nebraska and Texas will both have good options there. But honestly, I think Nebraska just beat Texas on the way that it handles student-athletes in general. Sooner or later, you hope Nebraska actually wins more games on the field and that some of this stuff pays off. Um, but I think they've got a pretty good setup as, as to how they attack it. Um, the, what's the right word? Ease of use, the ease of transaction, the ease of doing the thing that you need to do in order to make the money you want to make. I think Nebraska has streamlined that or smoothed that pathway out in a way that's probably a little easier than a kid could get around Austin going all the places he needs to go and knowing what he needs to do when he gets there. One of the things that didn't make my NAL story that I wrote on Sunday was that you know uh, Open Doors has kind of a system that they use to guarantee that a the kid did what he was supposed to do and b that they have a they have the payment as quickly as possible and they take a selfie and then they confirm the selfie like real time and then boom the money's there and you talk about overdrafting and I know you're kind of making a joke but let's be honest about how. A college student's life. Will I was work. not joking about me being a college <laughs> student. No, no, no. And, I, I and, and that was my story too. But, but, but the thing that happens is, um, and, and I was a college student's one too. I didn't have as much money as some of these guys do, but, um, you have a, you're an impulse buyer. You know, you go out on a Friday night and you want to know how much money you have for beer. And in my case, you know, amigos afterward, <laughs> you know, like the 2 a.m., you know, oh, the, yeah. whatever. You want to know how much money you have for those things. And so you check your bank account. Now, I think st- student-athletes might not necessarily be checking it for that. They might be checking it for, you know, I want to make a purchase. I want to make this. I want to go get this. I want to get I want to get this item. I want to go get this car. Um, I want to be able to say I'm going to go here on spring break. And the ease of transfer of money with the way that ABM and Open Doors works is it's kind of immediate. So like there's a certain I don't know if it's a dopamine hit or if it's a comfort level but like you don't have to wait a really long time mm. to get the cash. And some of these delivery systems that we probably overlook are probably not as co- not not as not as streamlined as they are at Nebraska. Like Open Doors operates like 12 different schools and the, so they help with the streamlining process but don't be so sure that a lot of these places aren't like well we'll give you this amount of money. Now when you get it? <laughs> it could be a couple months, <laughs> my friend. Like, and and that all creates anxiety. Like, imagine if you got a paycheck, or imagine if I got a paycheck at the end of three months. It completely alters your budget strategy. Has happened to me before. Here's you an know what I'm You're gonna want to hang on to this like, one. Like, it, it alters your budget strategy. In the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how it works in the NFL, but I feel like they only get their paychecks like periodically, like every month, and I'm not sure they get them over the summer. Like, teachers don't. And so, like, it changes the way you budget and the way that you imagine your job. And I think with these kids, the streamlined nature of how they get their money is just really advantageous over, well, you're going to get a lump sum of 18000 It won't be before Christmas, though. You'll get it sometime in January. Well, you want to buy the presents for Christmas. That kind of thing. Hmm. They're good at that. Nebraska is good at that. I know they are because people have told me they are. And, like uh you know Blake Lawrence explained it they're good at that and that stuff matters
0: what's what's a bigger deal with the Mathis commit in your guys's eyes is it what he can do for the 2022 team shoring up the d-line and, and his traits there or is it a bigger deal that Nebraska beat Texas and just about everybody else for him and it maybe signals us where they are in the NIL hierarchy and how they can compete moving forward
2: I think it's the latter and I think you can couple that with what Casey Thompson said on the uh, the Will the uh, Compton podcast, right? He said, you know, people starters are making six figures and I, I think again it's like it's like what Nick Saban was saying when he came out and said Bryce Young had a seven-figure NIL deal before he played a game in Alabama. Like they're saying that because it it's in their best interest to say that. They want other good players to come there. That's not a secret, but if we for the most part take everyone at their word, I think that's a huge deal because Nebraska does check so many of these other boxes. They play in the Big 10. Not 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 only playing in the Big 10, but a very winnable half of the Big 10. They have this academic infrastructure, they're good with their student athletes, the fan base as we know, as you know, we're literally speaking to them right now is incredible. Yeah. So if you can if you're on par with all this other stuff and then you can get a leg up in this newfangled thing that everyone's trying to figure out I don't know how long the advantage is going to last, but as long as you have it, that's a huge leg up, especially for a program that is that needs to climb the ladder and needs to do it fast. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's saying a lot, because what he brings on field is significant. For all the things that we said, I mean, he's a good player in his own right, but Nebraska has one guy with starting experience, they haven't been able to rush the passer, everything people know. Uh so, I mean, that, that part's not insignificant, but yeah, I mean, you think about the guys that Nebraska added in the portal, m- much of that on the strength of their NIL. If Nebraska succeeds this year and they make a bowl and, and and the Scott Frost tenure continues, I mean, a lot of that's going to be attributed to what they did in the portal, how they were able to shore up some immediate, uh, immediate deficiencies and moving forward, and NIL will be a huge part of that. So, yeah as much as we still kind of don't know and it's sort of a murky realm NIL where we can't there's not a lot of public accountability the, the 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 thing that is true the litmus test is where do the players go right like they're the ones who are getting the information making the decision major positive for nebraska mm. agreed agreed so what's what's maybe the next step we, we can get into the sanctions here too in a minute but what's what's the next for football now that we're past that May 1st deadline where players can enter the portal and still be eligible for next season. And so we, we could a,
1: still hear something today or tomorrow about that. Right? In okay,
0: theory. in theory. But more or less, that's set. There's going to be some some portal ads potentially. Devin Drew, Texas Tech transfer. Yeah. Um, Kane Williams, the Alabama safety transfer, is visiting in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so there's some some irons in the fire too there. Sam, you're working on a, a recruiting piece, though. When we look ahead to 2023 – where, where's Nebraska in that? Cause I, I feel like sometimes that gets lost in the shuffle of NIL and transfer portal. They've got five commitments. I believe right now in the 2023 class, what's, what's sort of the trend there. How's that shaping up here this spring?
1: So I'd look at it as, as you know, three drop buckets. If I was gonna, if I was going to do this and we'll include the transfer portal in that. And then we'll talk, we'll talk about the, the other positions drop bucket. Number one is finishing portal. And mm-hmm. that has to be completed. Um, relatively soon, you know. I mean, they've they've got to get those guys on campus by mid-May, early June. You don't want to be in a situation where you're running this thing out and they show up in July. And Nebraska's done that before with junior college guys, and that has not turned out well right. at all. And I think Oliver Martin even would tell you, like, look, I got there when I got there. You know, in 2020 and COVID, I took me months to to acclimate because he showed up right before. Right before camp, and so I think they're trying. They've learned from that, and they don't have time, and you know, with the trip to Ireland and all these other things. So um, that that piece has to be resolved pretty quickly. I think Devin Drew, Stefan Wynn, there's an offensive tackle potentially, um, and then uh, Kane Williams, and I still don't know exactly where that fits in. Um, But but you know that he's a guy that he's got you know uh, he was a big time recruit. So that's drop bucket number one. Drop bucket number two, and the simplest way to say this is win as many local in-state battles as you can. There's a number of names still out there. There's Mav Noonan. There's Malachi Coleman. There's Benny uh, Goyi is kind of how you say that that name. Um, and then there's one other one, and I'm, boy, I'm, I'm blanking on it, and I apologize for that. I feel like there's a there's another one that that they that they've offered that I can't remember the name of. Um, but. And there's a guy prep that I think is going to be, a, you know, going to be a, a midline kind of guy. Um, but the three that I just named, obviously, they want those guys. They you know, they 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 offered them for a reason. Uh, they don't want to lose on on that group of players. And so winning as many in-state battles as possible um, this is just me. I think I think Mav Noonan is the number one on that list. you got to get pass rushers. Malachi Coleman is very, very good, and he has the best offer list of the bunch. But Mav Noonan, if you get him, then you prevent yourself from having to go get guys in the transfer portal um, later on. I think Coleman is a, a strong lean to go to Nebraska. I, I understand he's gotten all the offers from all over the place. I just... I just feel like Nebraska is going to win that thing in the end, so I would I would highly prioritize in-state battles. You want to win all of those, it, it would resolve a lot of issues for them. Um, they've already gotten the offensive lineman, they've got the tight end and Bramer. If they get the two receivers, shoot, they're darn near done. Like they might get one or two more receivers and they're done. Yeah, and then you know the pass rusher, you know, and Mav Noonan, you're you're close to finished. Um, in-state. In Try to win those over the summer. The last drop bucket is, okay, so what are the needs? What are the needs that you want? And, 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 what are the needs that you want to develop? So I think the way that you begin to look at this conversation is, what are the needs that you want to go into the portal and be able to pull out of the portal and say, okay, this guy's going to come in. First of all, there's a lot of the guys like this in the portal. One, two, guy's going to come in, he's going to play. It's not going to be a, we have no idea kind of thing. Like, we don't really know. It's going to be more of a Isaiah Garcia Casaneda, who they took and they knew he was banged up. And they're bringing him in. And you know what, when he comes back and he's healthy, he's a little bigger than I thought he was going to be. I don't know if you guys kind of saw him on the sidelines there, but he's sizable. I'd say he's almost as tall as Mature and Trey's about six foot, close to six one. Um, so there's there's some size there. But anyway, receivers: Trey Palmer, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, Tommy Hill. You know what players do you go in and feel like? Okay, it's not going to cost us a ton. Like, and I don't just mean nil, but it's not going to cost us like all of this sturm and drying to get them out of there. We're not going to have to spend three months wringing our hands hoping we get a receiver. So. Which needs do you feel like you can get out of a transfer portal without having the, oh, ho, 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 you know, that thing? Mm-hmm. And then which needs do you feel like, look, if we got to go to the portal, it's going to be like O'Shawn Mathis. And they're, to be clear, they're thrilled to have Oshon Mathis. That took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And every single Oshon Mathis takes a lot of work. It just does. And this is, this is me talking. This isn't Nebraska talking. This is me. If it were me, I would want as much as possible to have as many Jamari Butlers and Blaze Gunnersons as I could. Because then I don't have to spend any creative, emotional, or like work ethic bandwidth um, in in uh you know, looking at those looking at those players. You know, like I don't I don't have to worry at all about having to go out and get an O'Shean Mathis when um I've got those guys in the system. We should mention Devin Drew committed to Nebraska since we've been recording. Yeah. Well there you go. So Devin Drew is is did he just committed.
0: Looking see at. if I had my Twitter up and it hadn't been hacked today, I would have been <laughs> able to see that. It's
1: okay. okay. going around.
0: Devin Drew is in. Devin Drew in, is in. Letter N. So that further so this is some uh, real time reaction right here. That shores up the the defensive line even further. He's more of an interior guy, yeah? He I mean, is. That, that maybe makes up for for Casey Rogers a little bit more directly than than what O'Shawn Mathis uh, would be able to provide. So that's their 12th portal edition now, I believe. Busy offseason for Nebraska
1: in that regard. Yes, it is. It is. That's good. So we can talk about that briefly. You can... Jimmy and I can take the, drive this home if you if you have like a story that you have to go write or something. I don't even No, we have it. Okay, it's it's already. Up. Good, yeah, good, good good. Okay. So the story's already up. <laughs> that's a nice flex let's from Evan. Evan's like we got it. Another let's trial. talk about let's talk about the impact, okay? Briefly about Devin Drew's addition to the team. So, to be clear, O'Shawn Mathis is an overhang outside linebacker. Okay, that's a person that you either station outside the offensive tackle. Or between the offensive and tackle and tight end, if you've got, you know, if you've got a strong side. I don't know if Osha Mathis will be a strong side. I think Garrett Nelson would be that player. And you could see Osha Mathis on the other side working over against the tackle. So he's sort of an overhang player. Devin Drew can move to kind of a couple different spots. Within Texas Tech's defense, Drew was an end. So he was kind of like a five. So he was kind of head up on a tackle. Right? You then sl- you, what Nebraska is going to do with most of these guys is slide them in um, to a three or a four and kind of put them in a spot between a guard and a tackle. And so Drew, who is about six two and a half, maybe six, three, 285 pounds thereabouts, is most similar to do a DeAndre Thomas than he is a Casey Rogers. Um, he's a pretty good run guy for that a guy that size. He's pretty compact and I think he's pretty physical in that way. Um, what I would then say is that you can kind of put him in that spot, and you can have Mathis outside that, or you can have Nelson outside there, and then if you want to go to a true 3-4, and a true 3-4 is you have a nose, you have two tackles, and you have two, you have two outside linebackers who are actually often stationed off the ball, somewhat off the ball the way Bob Diaco had him, maybe two, three yards out kind of in space. I'm t- I would say this: that, that Drew then becomes like a defensive end. Ty Robinson or Nash Hutmaker can become sort of a, sort of a nose. Mm. And then Ty Robinson, if a Nash Nash is in at the nose, Ty can go out to the end. And then you've or, you can put Ty Robinson at nose. You can probably put Garrett Nelson at a, at a true end, spot over the tackle. And then you've got Tanner and Mathis outside there. And they're both out, and they're in space. You could have Drew, Robinson, Hutmaker, Nelson, Mathis, and Tanner, and then your two inside linebackers, which are Reimer and and, and, uh, Henrich. Henrich, And that's seven. And then you've got your safeties, and then you've got your corners, and that's the kind of defense you can run against Wisconsin. Now, what you have to be comfortable there is, does one of your guys, one of those outside guys, are they able to cover – a tight end or a slot receiver. Well that's the moment probably where you pull um, you know, a Mathis off the field or even a Tanner off the field and you insert the nickel. And most teams play nickel about 70% of the time in the NFL. In college it's a little less so. But that's something that you can do. Most of the time though, Devin Drew's going to be sort of in between the guard and the tackle. Um, then you're going to have another guy that's in between the guard and the tackle, probably Ty Robinson, and then two and then two ends hanging on the outside. And those will probably be either Nelson and Mathis, or Nelson will be down, and Mathis will be standing up, or somehow you, f- you fit Tanner in there, and then you have a nickel. The challenge that Nebraska will have as it relates to their defense is how do they know, do they know when to get Mathis, Tanner, and Nelson on the field at the same time, yeah. knowing that when you do that, you're probably going to potentially sacrifice a nickel. Or you, can have, you could have Robinson, Nelson, Mathis, Tanner, that's four, then the two inside linebackers, and then you keep your nickel on the field. The other part... How do you get Drew on the field? Like That's the question they're going to have to try to figure out, is how do they get Devin Drew, Garrett Nelson, Ty Robinson, O'Shawn Mathis, and Caleb Tanner all on the field at the same time? Mm -hmm. How do you do it? You can do it in a true 3-4, but you sacrifice your nickel.
0: Yeah. And the other part that interests me, too, is you start... I mean, you, you look at the breakdown eligibility-wise. This is his last year, Drew. He's got one year left. We know that. Mathis, more than likely, this is his year. So, in a way, you know, if nothing else, Nebraska has effectively sort of bridged that gap between what was last year and what they like in a lot of their young guys. And we've talked about them before, uh, you know, Marquise Black and Ruquan Buckley and uh, Jalen Weaver, some of these other younger guys – what this does is it affords them another year of of, of development, strength-wise, learning the defense to where now twenty twenty-three they can step in and, and take on a bigger role. But uh, I mean, that's <laughs> just from a from a senior perspective, from a from an experience perspective, that's a massive addition as well.
2: They gotta they gotta use that year well, though, because mm-hmm. otherwise we're in the same position that we're in today, which or we were yesterday, I guess, or. Last week, before Math is committed, which is Ty Robinson, just f- bears repeating. Ty Robinson advocating for a transfer portal addition at his position, which I, again, that just doesn't happen. That's that's a big deal. Um, but yeah, this is what. What do we think about? Are they are they done with the lyman guys? Like, do you no. think Goods Goods and
1: Win are still I think they'd possible? Rather, they'd love to get Win. Yeah. Now he's mm. a bigger body, so he's like a 6'4", 320 – and then Goods, I don't know. That that seems – I just don't know. Like, I, I don't know exactly what the story is there. Former four-star guy. He's he is, but that. he's young. Right. Right? And so, like, again, when you bring in a young guy like that, um, you're obviously not getting a finished product. So what you do is you gauge, okay, can this player help us right away or is this player going to be anywhere near helping us right away? If not, do we just wait and get a freshman, a rookie, who can come in and develop it that way? Back to the drop bucket thing for a second. Yeah. So like the idea that like okay so you've got to balance what you want you know what your needs are what are you going how hard is it going to get a player out of the transfer portal quarterbacks good luck right expensive hard lots of labor intensiveness defensive linemen same thing Devin Drew took time uh, Oshawn Mathis same thing edge rushers um, receivers you can get out of there running backs you can probably get out of there but I'm not sure all the running backs are that good Kenneth Walker was really good though. Um, receivers you can get tight ends you can probably get so when you decide to say okay here is what is a very hard need to acquire in the transfer portal easily that's where you begin to say I want Jamari Butler and Blaze Gunnerson, and I want more of those and then I want more good offensive linemen that I can develop because when an offensive tackle goes into the portal it might be a hundred schools that offer them right then that's how scarce good offensive tackles are and if you look at the NFL draft, and I wrote about this for the Rewind on Monday, if you look at the NFL draft, look at the schools where the where the tackles come from. They come from everywhere. That's how hard they are to find. So you got guys from Louisiana or Chattanooga and Tulsa and Northern Iowa, and here's why. Because it's really hard to develop a five-star offensive tackle into somebody that's actually a five-star offensive tackle. It's that hard. And so like you... The challenge comes, how do you develop it? You would rather recruit those guys, develop them yourself versus going in the portal because if you go in the portal, you're going to have 100 guys going after them. So that's the third drop bucket is addressing needs that you think are easy to address or better to address through what we would call the draft versus free agency. And I think edge rusher and offensive tackle and defensive tackle and, you know, an offensive lineman and quarterback, it's better to
0: draft them. So, like, do, do you feel like there's a difference, though, between high school recruiting and quarterback recruiting? Because, like, the five-star quarterbacks in high school, really hard to get. The, the, the top quarterbacks in the portal, really hard to get. Do you feel like there's, like, a market inefficiency there where yes. one is easier or harder to get in the portal than they would be as a high school recruit? Yes.
1: And there's a market inefficiency in quarterback recruiting in general. Again, look at the look at the schools from which the players who are drafted came from. Now this isn't this isn't perfect science. If you go back a year before, you're going to see Clemson and you're going to see Alabama and you're going to see Ohio State, but you're also going to see North Dakota State. Yeah. And the point is that if you can draft a three-star who's a good athlete and you've got a coach who can develop that guy, you get a Kenny Pickett without ever having to sniff a five-star. And that's I think the point. Is it like if Nebraska feels like they can go get a guy that Mark Whipple can bring along, then that's The the gifting is in Whipple as much as it is in the quarterback. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. And Mike Riley used to do this too, if we're going to be honest. And, you know, I mean, Mike's the villain of some Husker fans. But Mike would recruit three-star quarterbacks that he developed into NFL players because he knew how to do it and he was good at it. And they didn't have to recruit five stars because so often what makes a five-star quarterback recruit in high school is big arm, can run all over the place, throws a bunch of deep touchdowns, and what makes a five-star quarterback in the NFL is knows of the offense, brilliant, good leader, gets the ball out, doesn't hesitate, has a good arm, but it doesn't have to be a perfect arm because Kenny Pickett doesn't have a perfect arm. Smart as hell. Well-developed. That's the difference. That's what makes a good quarterback in the NFL versus what makes a good quarterback in high school. So. Mm. I think you can exploit that inefficiency in high school, yes. Hmm. You can go get a three-star like Pop Watson. And I'm not trying to say don't get Dylan Rayola. Dylan Rayola is a beautiful throwing motion, and he is a great – he's a wonderful quarterback. But I'm saying you don't have to get him. You can get Drew Brees. I'm not saying Nebraska got Drew Brees and Pop Watson either. You can get Drew Brees. Right. You can get Aiden O'Connell. Would Nebraska take Aiden O'Connell tomorrow? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> they would. <laughs> yes. Walk on. Walk on. They take that any day of the week. What's Michigan rolling with? Three-star from Reno, Nevada. Who's going to beat out a five-star in JJ McCarthy and is beating out other four-star like why because Jim Harbaugh wants a guy that's going to run the offense. So, yes. Recruit quarterbacks in high school or be willing to pay the price when they go in the portal. Caleb Williams Nobody has any idea how good he's going to be at USC. I think he's probably going to be a good player there. No clue. There's, there's no guarantee he's going to be better than he was as a freshman. Um, and it costs USC a lot of freight to get him. I mean, Caleb Williams, I have him on my Twitter notifications. That guy's tweeting every day about a new deal he got.
0: <laughs> Is he? I don't, oh, I don't follow yeah. him.
1: And, again, all of that's bandwidth. We've talked about bandwidth so many times, mm-hmm. like, this all takes up bandwidth. When is Caleb Williams going to play football? I don't know. He'll find a way, I guess. But the point is, the kid's a, the guy's a celebrity, and I, yeah, I did see he challenge.
0: was hawking his own apparel at the spring oh. USC spring game. But by, by the
2: way, the next frontier of NIL, which we don't have to get into right now, is like what happens when one of these two million dollar guys gets benched or doesn't plan out like you you know for the most part the guys in the portal who get these kind of deals are known commodities jordan allison who sparked the latest nil's ending the world conversation this weekend is probably going to be very good because he was the best receiver in college football last year but i don't know there's just gonna there's bound to be one of them just thought
0: yeah no doubt yeah i agree yeah that's trans true uh well, let's transition to the uh the, the sanctions I guess if you want to call them that that came down earlier this week finally from the NCAA from the 2020 season um, I guess on a, on a scale of 1 to 10 how how notable is is this uh, decision that came down from the NCAA and, and is it sort of even mitigated more by where we are with NIL and the transfer portal and just the state of college athletics
2: oh I don't know you could, I think Sam and I were on the phone yesterday called the black eye I think it's like a mole but Nebraska's got a lot of moles right now, so it, it means something in the context of everything else that's not been going well in Nebraska, i.e. wins and losses. It's what Nebraska, like the, the actual crime that they are being punished for is small potatoes. I don't think they are the only school that has ever illegally used a special teams analyst. No. I don't think that's the case. It's dumb to get caught for it. It's it's dumb to have that news break a month after you hire a new AD who's trying to button up the program. Trev Alberts, I've said this a thousand times about the basketball program, Trev Alberts cares about appearances. He cares about the the brand. He cares about being a program that is well thought of beyond on-field success. This all matters for that, for those reasons. And it, it Scott Frost is like if if the Scott Frost pros and cons list is equal, this is something that, you know, would stick in a craw of a Trav Elberts if we're at the end of the season and he's not really sure what to do with Scott. That's something that wouldn't help that evaluation, but I don't think it's anything more than that. It's just a mole on a, on a cheekbone that has maybe a few too many moles right now.
1: Okay. Is it a big deal? Uh, you know, I, uh, I think Nebraska's just got to move on from it. You know, uh, it, it certainly is. It, it, it's just part of another, like, truly, and it, uh, until Trevor got there, just a really dysfunctional, not-functioning football program slash athletic department. So, you know, I'm going to write a little bit more about it soon. It won't really be about the violations. It'll be about here's how you get to this point. And here's how that happens. And some of it's bad luck. Some of it's bad judgment. Some of it's tragic. You know, like Nebraska football, um, the special teams, has just not been the same since, you know, Sam passed away. And that's not to say that, that that's the that's the, the 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 launching point. It's not. But to say that, like, when you go back to 2014, Nebraska had the best special teams in college football. Number one. Um, and Bo coached a lot of it. What the heck happened to get us to this point? And that, that's part of it, unfortunately. That's very sad to say, but that's part of it. But it's not the biggest part. The biggest part is si- series after series of uh, lack of clarity, and I think Bill Bush will resolve this in some ways, of who the heck is in charge. Um, Bruce Reed, you know, he of the guy that would take the laundry bag, out to the park, parking lot midway through the practice was not in charge. He's making $400,000 a year or something, but he wasn't exactly in charge of special teams. How do we know this because Jordan Stevenson was inserted as a kickoff returner with a belly <laughs> over over Reed's objections. Mike Riley did the in, you know inserted him. Like how do we know that it wasn't working? You know and then, and then they didn't really have one in 2017, as everybody might remember. It got a little better. Bob Diaco put Caleb Lighthorn through this really intense and rigorous process to punt. Caleb actually liked it and thought it was good. And then Bob got fired, obviously, as well he should have. And then they bring in another guy. And that guy basically just says, hey, you know, go over there and do whatever you do. Like, he was an outside linebacker's coach who happened to be coordinating. Or was he? Yeah, I think he was. Javon DeWitt was the outside linebacker's coach, right? He was, yeah. He just happened to be coordinating special teams. Mm-hmm. Also, and so, like, I remember distinctly remember the interview of Caleb going, like, well, you know, I mean, we, yeah, we just kind of go over here and we kick around. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and so, like, and then you get into 2019, of course, tragically with, with DeWitt, you know, getting cancer, and that's tough. So there's tragedy in there. There's like, uh, Sean Snyder was going to be the guy, I think, at Nebraska. And then he, wa- you know, he, he took the job at USC, and Nebraska had to scramble. End up with with uh, with with Rutledge. I think Rutledge was not a good fit for the program, irrespective of what they had him doing. His personality style isn't what fits Frost. Frost wants a really like cool and calm and sort of like in charge coach. And Rutledge, I think, was excitable and loud and ah, you know, he was that. And and then Dawson took it over. And I felt the worst for him because it's like you. You know, you got a punter that doesn't know what doesn't know what he's doing.
0: He seemed the most self-aware of his oh, situation too, yes. of all those guys that you're talking about. Like he knew it was a bad spot. The,
1: the strongest reaction I had to special teams last year, and I think Evan, you were there. The strongest reaction I had, even more than Michigan State, although it should have been more at Michigan State, was the first punt at Illinois. I'm like you, you don't know how. Oh, you don't know how, what are you doing. It was like a 14-yard punt. He was trying to pooch it, and it went like 14 yards because it was, I'm like, oh, my God. And then Cam Taylor Britt doing what he did. I'm like, "Yes, no one. Right. And then the second strongest emotion I had was when Becton said that they didn't bring a guy on the trip because they didn't bring him, and and that Samari Toure didn't know how to field punts. That's why the ball went over his head. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> are you right. kidding? Yeah." Like, that stuff is just, who's in charge? What's the accountability level? Like is Mike Dawson, who's doing a lot with the defense. was he? And so Bill Bush, I think, will resolve some of this because Bill Bush will hold people accountable. Mm. But I saw concerns in the spring game too. Like, I don't care who you're strotting out there. That guy should not duck hook a 40-yard field goal 30 yards to the left. That just shouldn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or duck hook an extra point. Like, there's got to be a culture that finally kicks in where Scott goes into the post game and he... You know, he thought it was kind. oh of, yeah, well, yeah. You know, like he's got to be mad about that stuff, because somewhere in there, somebody's got to understand there's a standard that needs to be held upheld, and you're not hoping that Timmy Bleak Road is the guy that is the standard bearer. You're asking a lot of a kid who's never kicked at Nebraska before to just handle it. Here you go, make the kick. It's got to be a culture that's larger than that, and I think Bush will imprint that on people. I do. Tim, go
0: ahead. I was just gonna say, and I've heard from. <laughs> From multiple friends this week, uh, who have used this news as a reminder that oh yeah, Nebraska gets these sanctions, and they were still like a hundred and fifth by most metrics in special teams that year. So like, even even with the sanctions, it's this reminder that like, wow, they, even then, there's futility when they're when they're breaking the rules. To Sam's point about someone being in charge, it helps. It helps for if someone is designated
2: to be in charge. It helps if there's someone who is actually the special teams coordinator. What have we, how much have we heard this off season and in spring about special teams is a priority. Mickey Joseph is making his guys play special teams. Travis Fisher is making his guys play special teams. Sometimes it's, it's just that simple. Like we wouldn't have to, Scott Frost wouldn't have had to juggle all these analysts rules, which are to be fair, not that complicated, but he wouldn't have to know them at all. If you just had
0: someone whose job it was to do it. It's that simple. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Let's talk a little Nebraska basketball. Baylor Shireman, in in continuing this trend of new news, uh, commits to Creighton today. Nebraska was in the top five. I, I guess, why Creighton over Nebraska for the in-state kid? And and now that he's off the table, what's next for Nebraska basketball? So I asked Baylor
2: Shireman that exact question this morning over the phone. And he gave me a long sigh. He goes, Whew. I thought you were going to ask me that. I really like Coach Hoiberg. I really like Nebraska. But it's, it's a culture thing. That's the top quote in the story. It's, this is the biggest separator was the culture, which, which he means Creighton has won. Nebraska has not won. And before last season, that was still true last season. I, I, the point I'm – I think the take I want to have here is that I think if Baylor Scheinman was in the portal last season, he goes to Nebraska. Because Nebraska, with Fred Hoiberg, still had all, still had the sheen on it, right? right? Like first two years were easily could write them off for valid reasons, I think. And then last year, which was the year where they were supposed to put it together, they didn't. And so now, now where Fred Hoiberg had this like Iowa State sheen, and like give him the benefit of the doubt in Nebraska, he's going to figure it out. his great offensive mind. All those things can still be true, but I think that inherent trust has wavered a little bit because Baylor Shireman, I'm reading between the lines a little bit here, but Baylor Shireman paid more attention. I'm very confident in saying that Baylor Shireman paid more attention to Nebraska, everything than he did to Creighton. He told me that there were people from his hometown who did not know that Creighton was in Nebraska
0: Hmm.
2: when he was growing up. So that's all you need to know. What does Nebraska do going forward? And for the record, I don't Like, I don't think that was really that hard of a decision for Baylor Shireman. Like, Sam and I were talking about this out in the hallway. You could make the argument that for his NBA draft prospects, it, it would be better for his development to run whatever, 50, 60 pick and rolls a game at Nebraska, if that's what they were going to do with him, put the ball in his hands a ton is the point there. But I think that winning matters to nba teams and it matters like it matters how you like the experience of developing yourself for the nba so baylor sherman wants to win baylor sherman just came from a program that went undefeated in the conference play during the regular season won 30 games he wants to win games creighton's gonna win a ton of games that's mm-hmm. that going forward nebraska has been linked in the transfer portal process to uh texas transfer courtney ramey who was in a weird spot last year um was a guy who scored 12 points a game and, and four assists per game for Texas two years ago. Then they brought in Marcus Carr from Minnesota as a transfer. Ramey took a bit of a, of a set, step back there. He's not the most efficient scorer, um, but at this point he is 6'6", which Nebraska has clearly prioritized. They like size with this new defense that they're trying to run, um, and in the Big Ten you just need size. So that's a guy that I would watch. Uh, they've also been linked to Umoha Gibson, I think is his, is how you say that name, from Oklahoma. He is a much smaller guard. He came originally started his career at North Texas, transferred to Oklahoma, played there the last two years. He's a grad transfer. Um, had the most efficient season of his career last year, shot 60% true shooting, which is pretty good for a guy that small. Neither of these guys... Um, or no, Gibson. I think I'm gonna pull up the numbers here. Gibson only gets to the rim. Percent of his shots at the rim last year was like 18%. The, the year before it was 15%. 68% of his field goal attempts were three pointers last year. Hmm. Nebraska needs someone who applies pressure to the rim. They need, as for all the faults of Alonzo Verge, last year, Buddy could get to the hoop. He did. Didn't didn't we didn't always love what he did once he got into the paint, but he could get to the rim. Ramey, I believe, two years ago, had about last year he was around the same as gibson about like 15 percent shots at the rim uh i think two years ago he was 31 percent, which is probably having the ball in his hands more often so if i were picking from those two guys i would probably lean ramey even though he has some more troubling efficiency statistics on his resume um he's a pretty decent three-point shooter last year but for the most part his field goal percentages are not where you want him to be neither of those guys are but at this point in the portal these are the kind of guys that are left beyond that I mean you're taking bets on, you know, guys with high recruiting pedigrees that haven't panned out yet. Guys like Frankie Collins, who just entered the portal from Michigan and was their backup last year. Um, the kid from Oklahoma State, I think his name's Rondell Walker or something like that. Do you
1: think like the is a score short?
2: Yeah. I do. I mean they, they think so too. They went after Antonio Reeves, who was one of the highest scoring players in the portal. They went after Baylor Sharman, who was probably the best perimeter creator in the portal. So I think they think that too. And they're going to go, they're out to go get another one.
0: What's the timeline for portal additions? Like when, when, at what point do you start getting worried that they don't have anybody? Are they even close to that point yet?
2: Well, I mean, new guys come to, come to campus in June. So that's a good time. <laughs> that's a good time to know.
1: didn't come to campus though, till sure July. Right. Well, he was but part, the of, the he was part right. of the draft process.
2: He was part right. of the draft process too. Right. So you, if you want to snag a guy from the, who's in the draft, um, that's in the portal i don't know i'm trying to think of high profile guys who are still in that position i can't think of one right now i I mean you want a guy by june that's when that's when the team gets together that's when they start gelling that's when you start installing teaching new guys how to run the offense and you have a brand new defense that you're putting in so i would say june is is when you want to i mean before then but that's the deadline gotcha Mm
0: -hmm. touch on uh, a little baseball real quick um they uh Play at Minnesota this weekend. Minnesota is awful. Nebraska uh, six and nine in the league, and I think I've, maybe I've said it on this podcast before, but the goal is to finish. If you're going to make the Big Ten tournament, you want to finish 500, and then you're you're it's a pretty good bet that you're going to make it to the event in Omaha at that point. So, like I said, six and nine. They've got nine league games left. You got to at the bare minimum win the series at Minnesota this weekend. They've shown a little bit of signs of life, I think, the last uh, couple weekends. Even though they lost the series to Iowa, um, the offense looked a little bit better. Some guys are coming on. The pitching has, has settled in, and I think the defense has, has made fewer mistakes too. So uh, obviously not something we need to spend a ton of time talking about, but this last month will be interesting to see if they can make the tournament. And then if they can, you know, anything can happen in those sort of kooky double elimination events if you get hot too. So that's the other thing going on right now.
1: When they get to the Big Ten tournament, does one play eight or is there some sort of round robin that gets to the one seed? does no one get a bye? One or? eight. One plays eight. So it'd be Rutgers or Maryland. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think they'd
0: be if they if they make it, I think they have as good a chance as anybody, given how their pitching is short up and they'd have a crowd and I think the offense has been better. Uh, I don't you know, not to say that they're gonna win it or be favorites by any stretch, but you look at the history of that event, and seven seeds won it, and eight seeds been in the finals. Like Ohio State was a seven that won it in 2019, so you know it happens. Um, and that's really the drama that's left is can you get in, and then you just kind of see what happens.
1: The schedule is favorable. I mean, they don't play great teams down the stretch here.
0: No, Minnesota's awful, uh, and then they go to Illinois, which is okay. above average, and then home for Michigan State. So right now, Nebraska is in a three-way tie for ninth. With Indiana, who they lost a series to, and Michigan State, who they host in the last weekend of the regular season. So, if you win the series at Minnesota, maybe you know win one or two against Illinois, then that sets up a pretty interesting last weekend, where if you win that series, that can get you to Omaha, at least for the Big Ten tournament.
1: My prediction is, going into the last weekend, Nebraska will have to win all three. That's just my prediction. I be. think they could win... I think they could win all three this weekend, but I don't think they will. I think they'll win two or three. I think they'll win one or two in Illinois, and they'll be one game under, something like that. Could be, and or that maybe enough under, it, you know,
0: depending on how everything else shakes out. You never know. I think Nebraska once qualified at nine and fourteen in the league, so you know it's not impossible. No,
1: it's it's not. It's just you know it's a missed opportunity. They had a chance to beat Iowa, certainly. After pounding Iowa in the first game, I just weren't able to do it. It's, and lose uh,
0: one nothing Friday. Like, yeah, it's kind of how it's
1: gone. It is. A, it is kind of how it's gone. But we'll see. If they make if they make the Big Ten tournament, they'll have like like you said, great crowds up here. That's a hard. It'll be a hard row. Is it Row to Hoe? Yeah. Row and Farmer Row. Yeah. It'll be tough because. Uh, Maryland or Rutgers are pretty good. So,
0: All right. We'll call it at that. Enjoy some Star Wars this week if you can. Uh, the portal continues to turn. Enjoy some warmer weather. Start mowing those lawns and, and doing all that fun stuff too. Thanks for listening, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need.